Concept. I'm your producer Ben, and uh, we we fucked the scheduling this week. So uh, today we are going to do something different. It's just me today, and I am going to talk to you guys a little quick hot potty for y'alls because I went to Los Angeles Forum tonight for AEW Dynamite All Elite Wrestling, and they had what I think at least in my immediate opinion, could very well be the greatest worked shoot promo of all time by MJF. Truly an all-timer. What is a worked shoot promo? Why should I care? This is just an interesting little oddity of pro wrestling. And I think it's one of the most fun, unique things to come out of this art form. So, I just want to take today to talk to you guys about it because I really don't have anything else to talk about and I want to talk pro wrestling because we're going to get this Vince Russo podcast out if it freaking kills me once our scheduling lines up. So, what is a work shoot promo? What are some examples? How has it evolved over time? A work shoot promo is an interview with a wrestler that is meant to come across as not being a part of the wrestling storyline, but it actually is. Um, or it, 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 it essentially blurs the lines between the storyline of a wrestling show and reality. Sometimes they lean more into reality than not. This promo, I think, is the best one ever because it's one of the few worked shoot promos that works entirely within the confines of pro wrestling. It doesn't do any wink, wink, this is all fake, break the fourth wall. It can lean on that wall, but it doesn't actually break it. And I appreciate that for protecting the art form. Uh, That sounds very condescending and obnoxious, but I don't have anyone else telling me otherwise. I am a loose cannon, uh, and we'll get to him. But where does the worked shoot promo start There's very few times where you can pinpoint something in pro wrestling history, but I would say that for all intents and purposes, the worked shoot promo really got its start in ECW, uh, then known as Eastern Championship Wrestling, and uh, I'm sure there were examples of a worked shoot or shoot promo before this. But if I had to pinpoint one moment, it would probably be the triple threat three-way dance finals for the NWA Heavyweight Championship where Shane Douglas won the National Wrestling Alliance Championship. ECW at the time was a member of the NWA. And he takes the title and with representatives of the NWA there, He throws the world championship on the ground, saying that all the past champions of the NWA can kiss his ass, and ushering in a new era of ECW that would lead to extreme championship wrestling and the underground independent wrestling sensation of the late 90s. I stand here before God and my Father in heaven tonight. As I said, I would be world heavyweight champion. of Jack Briscoe, of the Briscoe Brothers, of Dory Funk Jr., of Terry Funk, the man who will never die. As the real nature boy, Buddy Rogers, upstairs tonight. Okay. 
the fat man himself, Dusty Rhodes. This is it tonight, Dad. God, that's beautiful. And Rick Steamboat. And they can all kiss my ass. What in the hell is he doing? Because I am not the man who accepts a torch to be handed down to me from an organization that died R.I.P. seven years ago. The franchise, Shane Douglas, is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. That's the easy belt. Before God and my father is witness, I declare myself the franchise as the new ECW heavyweight champion of the world. Shane Douglas declaring himself We have set out ECW to change the champion. face of professional wrestling. So tonight, let the new era begin. The era of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. Uh, this promo was okayed in advance by Paul Heyman, who was booking ECW at the time, but was not done with the knowledge of the NWA, which is what makes this so interesting. It's one of the first times that you have a verbal double cross in wrestling. And you have to remember beforehand, promos and interviews were not nearly as important as in wrestling because before the 80s there wasn't a super big national tv presence it was there um i'm actually being disingenuous beforehand it was still popular on national tv but there you know there weren't enough channels to have a regular television broadcast nationwide especially there was a lot more local programming and so it's in the 80s in america where you really see the rise of the pro wrestling promo uh, and, and that starts in the 70s as well. Uh, you have great talkers like Nick Bockwinkle, Harley Race, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes who come up in the 70s. But by that same token, a lot of that isn't preserved to this day. Um, but more importantly, for the sake of this conversation, everything was kayfabe back then so everyone was still following the wrestler's code you can't be drinking with your you know sworn enemy on television in the bars if you see each other one of you has to walk out or you guys gotta start a screaming match with each other everything needs to be as real as possible and that would really continue through into the vince mcmahon era of pro wrestling in america where Vince um, encouraged a much more cartoony, G.I. Joe-like pro wrestling scene in the 80s. And famously, to avoid more taxes, uh, Vince McMahon stated, under oath, I believe, in 1989, before the federal government, that the pro wrestling industry is all a work. It's all a ruse. It's all not real. If anyone after 1989 believes that pro wrestling is real, mm, I don't know what to tell you. But it's it's this new period after that where wrestling is in a slump, kayfabe, under the Vince McMahon era, dynasty, is dead. What's going to happen? That's when the Shane Douglas promo comes in. It's a uh, countercultural response in many ways to WWF and WCW at the time. And it's that promo which really kickstarts the attitude change of the pro wrestling scene and makes it something uh, more 
more postmodern, I guess, if you want to get obnoxious about it. So our Shane Douglas promo is our first step on the journey. Um, and ECW leans into work shoots much more than any of the competition. You have guys like Steve Austin, Brian Pillman come into the promotion, pretend to be outsiders or uh, cut promos where they're wrestling a pencil because they're referring to guys writing storylines, alluding to the writer of the show or the booker of the show is having the pencil. So you see Brian Pillman on TV wrestling a giant pencil in a house. Or you have Steve Austin on TV in ECW in 1995 dressed as Hulk Hogan saying the reason why he wasn't featured on WCW more is because of Hulk Hogan. Really mind-bending stuff at the time. When Eric Bischoff told his secretary to tell her secretary to leave a message on my answering machine for me to call Eric Bischoff. And then I called Eric Bischoff and he proceeded to fire me over the phone. I thought a big cloud was lifted off the career of Steve Austin. Because gone were the days where I'd go up to someone and say, Hey, what about me and Sting? We got this big thing going, how about the cage? And someone says, No, baby, that's for somebody else. We're just going to keep you right where you at right now. Well, then I said, Well, how about me and Savage, man? I got this great idea, man. He comes in, he's got the Slim Jim deal. Well, hell, I got... No, Steve, that's for somebody else, baby. <laughs> then you go... I got this great idea I can do with Hulk Hogan. I'm going to be the Steve Maniac, and we're going to take this thing all the way because Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania was the biggest thing to ever come down to wrestling's pike. And they say, no, it's not for you, brother. You can't do that. We're going to keep you right where you are. I said, how about me and Brian get back together? The Hollywood Blondes, it was the best tag team to come along in 10 years. And they say, no, Steve, we need you in a singles role, man. We need you to do this. We're going to put the U.S. title on you, and then we're going to take you here, and then you're the number one contender, so then you got this world title shot. Well, all that never happened. So there I am, floundering along. There's nothing going my way because the politics in WCW kept the biggest potential superstar in wrestling on the damn ground. What are you supposed to do? On one hand, they're paying you a bunch of money. They're paying me a bunch of money. Well, on this hand, they're telling me, hey, Go out there and give Bagwell a hell of a match. Go out there with an 18-year-old German kid. Give him seven good minutes. Let the people see what he can do. They say you are what you eat. In WCW, they didn't feed me nothing but garbage. So I let myself become garbage. I became complacent with everything that they said. As long as Big Ted kept sending in the checks, Maybe I wasn't happy with what was going on, but I became complacent. Then they send me to Japan, the big injury. Bischoff delivers a shot, heard around the damn world. Steve Austin's out of the high-paying job. All of a sudden, the phone starts ringing off the hook. It's ECW. It's the WWF. It's all Japan, it's New Japan, and all Steve Austin's got to do is make a decision. Todd Gordon, whether he mortgaged his house one time, two times, maybe three times, came up with the right figure for Steve Austin to make a decision. I strolled into the ECW arena, the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. I broke in in a building called the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. Home of the world famous Von Erichs. Anybody that was anybody stepped foot in a Dallas Sportatorium. For the last two years, all you've heard about 
anywhere in wrestling is the famous ECW arena. Debut night, I roll in, you've got the Sandman, you've got the Raven, you got the Pit Bulls, you got Stevie Richards, you got the Public Enemy, you got the Gangsters, you got Mikey Wickrap, whatever the hell his name is, you got a bunch of damn misfits running around thinking that they can actually wrestle. All I've seen in ECW is a bunch of violent crap. And that's exactly what I'll call it, because that's what it is. Steve Austin is here to wrestle. It's what I do best. It's what I do better than anybody in the world. Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, they got the big send-off. Tears were in everybody's eyes. It was a big deal. All Steve Austin got was a good swift kick in the ass as Bischoff hung up the phone and left me high and dry. There's no Hogan's here. There's no Flares here. There's not a Dusty Rhodes. And there damn sure isn't an Eric Bischoff here. There's no one they can hold back Steve Austin now. Stunning, tossed it out the window. Never was meant to be. ECW is going to find out firsthand what Steve Austin can do. And I'm going to show everybody here exactly what a true superstar is supposed to do what a true superstar is supposed to be. Because no one here can hold me back. Not Todd Gordon. Not Hulk Hogan. Not Eric Bischoff. Nobody. I'm gonna be the superstar that I always knew that I could be because there's no one, no one in ECW that can stop me. And here's a bonus for you guys. If you want to see a work shoot promo that veers too far into a shoot, here's 1998, one of the earliest work shoot 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 promos, where Doug Gilbert goes off on the Lawler family. Have some fun with this. And then Brian Christopher, I think somebody got something to say to him. I suspect Mr. Gilbert's got a plan or two for Mr. Christopher. You know what, Dave? Who should I blame? Where should the blame start? Well, you know where it's going to start, Brian Christopher? It's going to start tonight at the New Daisy Theater because you know what? You're getting out of your environment and you're getting into mine. What you're gonna do is you're gonna climb in to five strands of barbed wire wrapped around the ring. Do you understand what that means? Listen, and you know what? Talking about him coming out here, Brian Christopher wants to come out here and play Doug Gilbert. <laughs> Brian Christopher, if I was you, I would want to play Doug Gilbert every week because you've never got over. Listen, let me tell you one thing, boy. And listen, you do not talk about my family. You do not talk about me. Listen, you want to, you want to play that family card? He wants to play the family card? You think he wants to play that card with me? Oh, me, Brian, that card could hurt you so bad. Listen, son, I'm out on the street. And people say, Doug Gilbert, why was Brian Christopher dragging them four or five belts around that little red wagon? Oh, he was so successful here in Memphis, Doug. He was so successful. And Brian, it kind of hurts me. You know, Dave, there's things we're not supposed to talk about out here, right? That's true. But, you know, like I'm, they told me a few things in the back that I couldn't talk about, but I don't really remember 
what they was. One of them might have been Brian Chris was a champion around here for so long because his daddy. Wait, 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 wait. Because his daddy Jerry Lawler owned the company. I'm sorry, Dave. I know I wasn't supposed to say. But now listen, let me ask you one thing. For one guy at WMC, you can kind of you can take the things that happen, happens on this show, Dave, and you can change them a little bit. You can keep things from happening on this show, right or wrong? Well, I couldn't just keep what happened on the show. It is live, and, and sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Oh, okay now, Dave, but you cannot tell me when Brian Christopher comes out here and he's going to act like me, which that's fine. He can act like me all he wants. I don't care. But when he comes out here and you're going to be disrespectful, to my mom or my dad, you know what? That little that little thing in your ear there, Dave, that some people were talking to you from upstairs, I think maybe you should have said it's time to go to break. See, I'm not holding any one person responsible, but what I'm saying, see, Randy Hills is upstairs with his hand on that little button that could cut me off. See, Randy, if I start saying something again, then I shut about you running that road smoking crack. Hey, oh, oh. Yeah, that's not true. Oh, 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 that's not oh, true. Oh, yeah, Dave. It is true, and Randy Hills has confessed. Well, well now let me tell you what we can do. Oh, you, okay. you have a point. You have a point. Oh, okay. well, there are certain it. things we can control. There are certain times we can cut the microphones and go to commercial. And okay. I think now oh, is one okay. of those hold times. It, hold it, Dave. Let me say one more thing. You give everybody else their chance, right? Watch, watch what you say. Uh, watch what I say now. Now, listen. The first thing... Now, now right, hold on one second. Listen. The first thing... Somebody showed me a tape right here to come out here and went, uh, I'm Doug Gilbert and Jerry Lawler, I'm going to stick my fist in your mouth. Well, come on, Dave, I ain't that corny. I just said, you know I'm Doug Gilbert and Jerry Lawler, you little 13-year-old girl. come on. <laughs> this is all, we're not going to let him get away with that anymore. We're going to let those other guys get away with it. Go to a break right now. Just for a minute, Steve Bradley arrives. Randy Hales has a comment or two. Unfortunately, a couple of things in the Doug Gilbert situation. You uh, apologize for it, Dave, but I just wanted to uh, to make this announcement. Doug Gilbert, Doug Gilbert has been suspended indefinitely because of those uh, comments today. Uh, I'm sorry about that, Dave. I mean, we're going right into the end of the show. Oh, with our main event tonight, a great night at the New Daisy, but Doug Gilbert will not be there. He's suspended indefinitely. And let me let me say to well, you sincerely, this this is totally has to do with what he did here today. Yeah, we don't condone that. Sort we of we stuff, don't huh? we don't condone it. It's this is not a part of the program. Not at right? all. This, I guarantee you. That. He's, he's we we just will not put up with what Doug Gilbert did, and that's all there is to it. All right, all right. The first example of a worked shoot on national television true national television because ecw was regional was with brian pillman who feuded with kevin sullivan on wcw television um, who in real life was the actual booker of the show and so brian pillman wrestled kevin sullivan in a respect match where to Lose the ma to win the match, you needed to make your opponent say the words, I respect you, essentially in the same vein as an I quit match. And midway through the match, Brian Pillman stops, looks at him, says, I respect you, Booker Man. Thus losing the match, but also alluding to the fact that Kevin Sullivan is the behind-the-scenes booker of the show. Now, whereas the... Shane Douglas shoot promo was essentially all within kayfabe storyline saying that he wanted to usher in a new era of wrestling, more of a double cross in a way. The Brian Pillman one was directly referencing that pro wrestling is fake. And I don't know if there's an earlier example of that. Definitely not on national TV. Um, that would bleed into another worked shoot angle that turned into a shoot shoot where Chris Benoit took the real life wife of Kevin Sullivan um, and they began having a relationship, which that became too close for comfort because that ended up being what happened in real life. Uh, that's a truly strange story for another day. 
Uh, ECW would continue to lean into the work shoots, and then we run into Vince Russo. You can look at this in a way as maybe a preview of Russo mania. Vince Russo is a... Um, he's the Jerry Springer of pro wrestling. He, in many ways, is one of the few auteurs of pro wrestling, and that if you watch wrestling that is done in his style, you know instantly what it is. Vince Russo has done a lot of good in pro wrestling and a lot of much less good. Um, I feel like today he is remembered for his worst moments more than his best, but he did help introduce the ECW style of work shoots and just that whole attitude, no pun intended, into the national pro wrestling scene, which helped kick off the biggest boom in pro wrestling history. Uh, at least the, the brightest, if not the longest lasting. Vince Russo, under his watch, ha featured a lot more peeling back the fourth wall interviews in his time as head writer of the WWF Guys like Jeff Jarrett, Dustin Rhodes would have segments on the show dedicated to real-life issues or perceived real-life issues, where Jeff Jarrett would talk about being held back or Dustin Rhodes would talk about marital problems. Uh, they would talk about Road Warrior Hawk's legitimate real-life drug and alcohol issues. When Vince Russo left the WWF to WCW... Uh, and the handcuffs were let out, but also Vince Russo was hamstrung by extremely difficult people at the table, we start seeing a lot more artificial work shoots where he turns wrestling into something more akin to the Muppet Show, where it's not about what's happening on stage, it's about what's happening backstage. There's about a six-month to year-long time span in WCW where they essentially openly admit that all of the wrestling on the show is fake, except for maybe one or two things with legit real fighters. In hindsight, I feel like it's much easier to watch than while it was happening because, truth be told, WCW is not a work shoot style promotion. A lot of people, the vast majority of people, knew pro wrestling was fake, they just liked that way of telling you that pro wrestling was fake. That type of storytelling. And that, many people say, is Vince Russo's weakness. That is the... Well, here's Mr. Russo what now. The hell is next? Now it, what? I don't know. It, who's laying down in this one? It's, it's scheduled to be Nash Goldberg. We heard from Goldberg. Now maybe, maybe Russo can explain to the world what we have seen and if he explains it will we get it will we understand it do we believe it look who it's coming from i think we're going to hear the truth right now i really do we got to hear something that's uh not vince russo the character that's vince russo the boss three weeks tonight. ago i left wcw and quite frankly i didn't know if i was going to come back And the reason I didn't know I was going to come back or not is because from day one that I've been in WCW, I've done nothing, nothing but deal with the bullshit of the politics behind that curtain. The fact of the matter is, I've got a wife, I've got three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. But let me tell you the reason why I did come back. I came back for every one of the guys in that locker room that week in, week out, bust their ass for WCW. I came back for the Booker T's. I came back for every single guy in MIA. 
Jared. I came back to the guys behind that curtain that give a shit about this company. And let me tell you who doesn't give a shit about this company. That goddamn politician Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you people what happened out here in this ring tonight. All day long, I'm playing politics with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan tonight wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that meant that tonight in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. Amen. But I also, I sat out there in the people just like you. And I know you paid good money to come here tonight and nobody's gonna be ripped off here tonight. So Hulk Hogan now has the WCW belt. And Hulk, let's refer to that as the Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt because from here on in, that belt don't mean shit! Because there will be a new WCW belt, and as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the one guy that busts his ass week in and week out in the middle of this ring. And you people can love him and hate him, but he doesn't screw anybody back there, and that's Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett is still the official WCW champion, but he will defend that title in this ring tonight. And he will defend that title against the son of a bitch back there who for 14 years has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of the Hulk Hogan. two reasons why I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with. So tonight in this ring for the WCW title, two deserving guys, Jarrett and Booker, will compete for the WCW and they'll tear this goddamn out down. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass! But he was the person who made the worked shoot promo very commonplace in wrestling. And many people thought it overstayed its welcome by that point where every week people would be talking about perceived real life grievances. And if everyone's complaining about what's happening behind the scenes, well, then, you know, no one's complaints stand out. After Vince Russo's tenure in pro wrestling comes to an end, uh, he had a longer tenure in TNA, which continued some more of the worked shoot promos. Uh, WWE would dip into that well a few times. They The first time WWF, I would say, dipped into worked shoot territory is when Jim Ross introduced the fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel Scott Hall and Kevin Nash leave WWF for WCW 
And Jim Ross responds by introducing two guys and their WWF gimmicks. And it was very silly and it really didn't go anywhere, but it is an example of them breaking the fourth wall. Uh, A more successful version of that is Joey Styles on WWE Raw in a sort of kickoff to promoting an upcoming ECW pay-per-view, talking about how... um, about how he feels misused as a commentator. He wasn't allowed to call WrestleMania. He wasn't even able to call Backlash. He wasn't good enough for Backlash. And so because of that, Joey Styles quits on air. This is very much in the clearly not real vein, but it's also a really good promo from a really great commentator. And now, thanks to the magic of live television, I'm going to show the whole world why for seven years in ECW, I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. Six months ago, WWE called me. I didn't call this company because I was looking for a job. I didn't need a job. WWE called me because they had humiliated and fired again Jim Ross. So I get JR's spot. And from week one, week after week, I've got an ongoing lecture about the differences in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. I'm told to deliberately ignore the moves and the holds during the matches so I can tell stories. Well, ignoring the moves and the holds is damn insulting to the athletes, the wrestlers, not the entertainers who leave their families 300 days a year to ply their craft in that rig. So here's the best part. Because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller, I get pulled from WrestleMania. And the reason I'm given is, is because I don't sound like Jim Ross, who was the guy they fired in the first place. That makes sense, right? So I swallow the bitter pill, I'm a company guy. I get bumped from WrestleMania. Then I get bumped from Backlash? I'm not good enough to call Backlash? In ECW, I called live pay-per-views on my own. Solo, no color commentators dragging me down. Wasn't done before me, hasn't been done since. But I'm not good enough to call Backlash because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller. Well, you know what? I am sick of sports entertainment. And most of all, I'm sick of you fans who actually buy into that crap, this sports entertainment circus. I never needed this job, and I don't want this job anymore. I quit! It's a great evolution of the Workshoot promo in that it doesn't really break the fourth wall too much. And it's easy for casual fans or people who want to stay in it to still be able to be invested in it. That took place in, I believe, 2005. The crescendo of worksheet promos, though, doesn't hit until, I believe it's June 2011, when CM Punk has his infamous pipe bomb promo, where he talks about how the only reason why he isn't the face of the company is essentially that success in WWE is based on kissing ass instead of based on merit. 
this one in hindsight veers probably a little too much into legitimately breaking the fourth wall of wrestling in terms of if you like to stay invested in the idea that pro wrestling is real which since everyone knows it's fake you might as well do so it's like a tv show right you don't want someone on walking dead telling you how all the zombies aren't actually killing you except for this one it's real i swear we all know it's fake uh but this is a transformative and revolutionary promo in wrestling where cm punk essentially talks about all the taboos that up till that point no one thought anyone was allowed to talk about um talking about other wrestling promotions talking about his at the time friend colt cabana who's wrestling in a completely other promotion wearing a t-shirt of steve austin who wasn't an active wrestler at the time talking about blacklisted wrestlers like brock lesnar on the microphone and how the company would be better off without vince mcmahon triple h or stephanie at the helm um there was a lot of truth mixed in with the promos cm punk was intending not to stay with the company at that time john cena while you you lay there hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be i want you to listen to me i want you to digest this because before i leave in three weeks with your wwe championship i have a lot of things i want to get off my chest I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am. And that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar, and he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster of WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else.
because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at 5 in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And hell, who knows? Maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still going to pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's going to keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's gonna tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's, it's gonna get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Do we do this whole bully camp? It was a perfect storm that lit the wrestling world on fire uh, and is really the basis for a lot of people's fandoms to this day. It is truly the hard times promo of our generation of wrestling fans. And it's something that I don't... I, I Everyone knows it's great. Everyone has watched it, listened to it, but I feel like it will still take some time for people to understand how big that promo was. And that promo leads us to here, to AW Dynamite, to MJF cutting the promo of his life, one in a series of promos of his life, where he gives out about perceived real-life grievances regarding his AEW contract and pay status. And dude goes off, including letting out a true fuck on cable? Wow. Um, what's great about MJF's promo is that everything he says is in character. He has a storyline reason for everything he says. He talks about how people criticize him for not being a good enough wrestler. And he says, why? Because they don't watch New Japan? Because they don't drop people on my heads? He's not a wrestler that wrestles in a style that involves dropping people on their heads. He wrestles a less flashy style. That works in kayfabe as well as outside of kayfabe. He gets very close to towing that line. But if you're like a Jim Cornette type who doesn't like people breaking that sense of emergent, MJF doesn't do it here. MJF talks about how he's been the highlight of everything he's been on, how he makes moment after moment. You hear fighters in UFC talk just like that as well. Uh, MJF throws off his Burberry scarf, wonderful attention to detail. They... After he yells his expletive, they cut off his mic and immediately go to a commercial. They don't allow commentary to talk about the rest of the show. They take off the social media mentions. In the arena, CM Punk and Matt Jackson come out to try and talk sense into him, but he leaves through the crowd, smashing someone's phone in the process. Just what makes AEW great is the attention to detail for things like this. Truly, it... it it envelops you in an extra layer of immersion in a way where this feels so real, but it still works within the confines of the rest of the show that it makes everything else feel a bit more believable too. In a way, MJF's work shoot 
isn't really a work shoot at all. In a way, it's just a really good pro wrestling promo. He's completely subverted the the perceived purpose of a work shoot. And this is something that as we watch Russomania, um, you, the listener or viewer, might uh, run into as well. Previously, the idea of a work shoot is to go, everything else is fake, but this is real. And it's to highlight the importance of this one segment as something that's truly special. The MJF promo on Dynamite on June 1st, in many ways, was the opposite. Yes, it was something that was perceived as being real. But if it all works in story, what is that if just a really good pro wrestling promo? Isn't that what a pro wrestling promo is? Isn't that what a pro wrestling promo is supposed to be? Is something that makes you believe if anything mjf on tonight's dynamite wasn't doing a worksheet promo he was just doing the best promo he was making you genuinely believe everything he says and everyone fell for it so yes obviously i don't think that he believes all of those things i think that whatever his contractual issues they had they worked out But that's not really the point. The point is that they took something that was real. MJF has worked with it and has made it something that people believe in more than anything else in the pro wrestling scene right now. And that is why MJF is one of the best wrestlers out there right now. Is that he's making people believe. If you look on Reddit right now, people aren't sure which like what of this is real what of this is fake and you can tell because people are plastered all over reddit screaming this is a work i'm not getting work this is a work i know that this is a work because people really deep down inside aren't a hundred percent sure what the full story is and that is the beauty of pro wrestling and that's the sign of a truly great performer and an amazing pro wrestler so that is my soapbox for the week next week we're going to have something much more substantive but in terms of this hot potty i'll tell you at the very least it'll be better the fourth time because it's the fourth time that's the charm good night and good morning in a lot of pain right now after what happened on Sunday. But all you people want to do is hear me talk, right? That's what, that's what you want, right? You want to hear me talk? I'll talk, but this is Max Friedman talking. Big merger, boss. A lot of important executives here tonight to watch your product. Would be a real shame if something bad happened. I wouldn't want to embarrass you, man. Speaking of embarrassing, you've been trying to sit down with me to hash things out for quite some time now, haven't you? Well, guess what? Too little, too late. Here's why. When this company first started, it was all friends wrestling. Everybody was handed a ticket, except for me. See, I had to write my own. And boy, do I have good penmanship, because I created moment after moment after moment for this company, and I still get no respect. Nobody is on my level. No one. Everything I touch 
turns to gold, there is nothing I can't do. Every time I come out here, I am not expected to hit home runs. I am expected to hit grand slams. And I do that shit on a weekly basis. See, all the other boys, they get to settle for being great. I have to be perfect because I'm the 26-year-old who is constantly held under a microscope because I'm the only guy who is capable of carrying this company on my back as I have for months. It's funny, it's funny I hear boos, but I also hear clapping. That's interesting, that's interesting. Where were you guys, where were you guys this whole weekend when you were calling me an unprofessional piece of shit? I'm just curious. You're not the only problem, no, it's the boys in the back too. Cause the boys in the back all want my spot. Well guess what, you want my spot, you can have it. Cause I don't wanna be here anymore. Now let's talk about you fans, huh? You people call yourself fans. You're not fans. You're uneducated marks. You sit there on your phones tweeting out your opinions like they're worth a damn. Let me explain something to you people. You don't know shit. Opinions suck. Your opinions change at the drop of a dime, and then you pretend your new opinions are the same as your old. For example, man, I always knew MJF was a good wrestler. Really? That's interesting. Because last time I checked, you guys pretended I sucked in the ring for a long time. And why is that, huh? Because, because I'm not untrained like all your faves? Because I don't pretend to watch New Japan? Because I don't dump, because I don't dump my opponents on their head? Because I'm not reckless? What is it? Is it because I'm not chasing star ratings, guys? What is it? How could I possibly be the best? Well, newsflash, I am the best! I'm the best in the world! Because I'm the only guy who makes you feel, and unlike all those boys, I don't got to do a bunch of bullshit to get you there. I am a generational talent, and you people consistently take me for granted. But it's not just you. It's the big man in the back, too. Here's something you guys can't take for granted. Here's something he doesn't want you to know. Do you guys know who the second biggest minute-for-minute minute draw is in this entire company? Nope, you wish. It's me! It's me! And if you don't believe me, do me a favor. Ask Stat Boy Tony in the back, see what he's got to say. But whatever you do, don't ask him to reach into his pockets and pay the man who's been busting his ass for him since day one! No, 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 no. Make sure he hoards all that money. Make sure he hoards all that money so he can give it to all the new ex-WWE guys he keeps bringing in. That can't lace my goddamn boots! you treat me better if I was an ex-WWE guy? See, maybe you don't get it, man. Here's the problem with you, boss. You got a position of power in a wrestling company when the only position you should be assuming is behind the guardrail with all of them. I don't want to wait till 2024, but you don't listen to me, so allow me to make it a little bit easier for you. Tony, I want you to fire me. 
Tony, don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark. <laughs>